The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Today FM. It should really be a public holiday today, shouldn't it? Given that the state is 100 years old, you would think that we would be marking that with a public holiday and some sort of celebrations like in the way we did for the 1916 Rising back in 2016. But no, decision was taken not to do so. And maybe there are people who will say, well, there's not an awful lot to celebrate and particularly the things we're going to be talking about later, such as the massive increase in rents, uh, the difficulties that people are having living in the country. About half of under 30s apparently considering emigrating. We heard yesterday about one in 10 under the age of 35 has attempted suicide. So there are many things that are wrong, but Let's actually start by talking about the things that we've done right. Mark Henry is with us, author of, in fact, An Optimist's Guide to Ireland at 100. It was a book that was published last year, but is still, I think, utterly relevant because even when it comes to housing, we have done some things right over the last 100 years, Mark, haven't we? Yeah, as you say, where are the street parties? I mean, I don't know, maybe it's the weather in December putting people off there, but it's it's a day there should be fireworks. I mean, can you imagine any other EU nation or the UK, the US not celebrating a birthday like this, our 100th birthday? I mean, no matter how you look at it, as you say, the facts are that we've never been healthier, we've never been wealthier, never been better educated. In fact, we've never been happier. We'll talk about that, right? But there's no generation before us that has ever lived such a good life as we do in Ireland. Now, of course, there doesn't mean we're, we've reached utopia. Of course, there are lots and but lots of things. what country has? Exactly. Because again, you look at our, comparatively, how is Ireland doing? Look at any of the assessments of quality of life, of education, of incomes around the world. Ireland is in the top 10, often the top 20 at worst. So we've built a fantastic state with something to be very proud of. Not everything's perfect, but definitely cause for celebration. Is that subjective opinion or do you have objective facts that you can base it upon? <laughs> sure, the book's full of them. In fact, hey, it's given away in the title there, Matt, but I tell you, let's, let's pick a few of them. I mean, the United Nations, for example, uh, puts us in the top 10 in terms of quality of life. Uh, it does that because, for example, it says people live long and healthy lives here. Uh, we live only two years less on average than the Japanese, who are the world's longest livers. We live on average 82 years. Now, and amongst uh, in EU surveys, eighty four percent of Irish people describe their health as good or very good, the highest in the EU. So, so we're healthy, uh, we're living long. Education levels again, the UN looks at those. Uh, we have fifty one percent of working age adults with third level qualification. Same as Luxembourg, two of us ahead of everyone else in the EU. Only a handful of countries have a majority of the populations with third level education. I, I sorry, if you were to go back 100 years, I mean, how many went to well, secondary school, let alone third level education? Absolutely. I, we, I mean, we were late to the game, you have to say. In the 1960s, we introduced free second level education here. Uh, Britain had introduced it after the Second World War. France had introduced it after the First World War. So, so we were late to the game. You'd have to say, if you're looking over the 100 years of Irish history, there wasn't much to celebrate in the first 50, but there is a lot to celebrate in the last 50. I mean, uh, our income levels now, we know, are amongst the highest in the world. People do have a very high standard of living. Poverty rates are at the lowest level they've, uh, on record. Income inequality in the country is trending down for the last 20 years and at the lowest level recorded in the last year. So in other words, not everyone is wealthy, of course not, but as our incomes have grown, so we have done a better job than most other countries in spreading that wealth. But, and I don't want to be negative, but there is the potential, isn't there, that the generation of people under the age of 30, who I referred to in my introduction, are looking at a situation where they feel that they will not be as well off as their parents or their grandparents' generations. 
and that they are moving into a situation where there is a decline, perhaps, relative to what's gone before them. I think this is a very valid point to me. When, you know, if you ask, well, why has Ireland done so well? Why has Ireland risen up those, you know, charts globally uh, far, far faster, in fact, than any other developed nation over the last three decades? Uh, I think there's a few factors that talk about it. I mean, one of them is this point of community. We have a strong sense of social cohesion in Ireland. So, uh, you know, we, we look out for each other, generally speaking. We don't have a big them and us. So as the economic wealth has grown, so people have been talking about fairness and spreading it fairer. And I do think, to your very point, uh, if we don't solve the housing crisis, for example, soon, that begins to to tear at that social fabric. That begins to introduce a them and us. Well, it's fine for you in your 50s with your mortgage. You know, me in my whatever, 20s, 30s, can't even get on the ladder. So I do think, yeah, we have to be careful, identify what has got us successfully here and focus on maintaining it. I mean, again, we have we are now one of only a dozen countries that can point to 100 years of unbroken democracy. And that has led to to a very stable uh, uh, country. That's a very important point Mm. because there would be many of our fellow European Union countries who would have either lived under fascist dictatorships, even countries like Spain would have gone into a situation like that, or would have been under the yoke of communism, whereas we managed to maintain democracy for the last century. Yeah, and in truth, of course, don't we have to thank Britain a bit for that? And in truth, our geography has helped. But it stands to us we're only one of a dozen countries to have had that stability. So Mark, there's another point though to that yeah. though, isn't it? That there's something about perhaps our mentality that we don't actually go to extremes, do we, when it comes to imposition of political will upon everyone else? Yeah, I, I think in terms of in terms of our stability over the century, this is an important factor. Right? People may complain that our politics have been very centrist, really. But that has stood us in good stead insofar as we have invested continuously in pursuing increase in education, consistently in inviting in foreign direct investment, consistently being an open country that allows and brings in the talent that we need. The population has grown by 2 million uh, since the 1970s. So we're now at 5 million uh, people. And that openness, I think, is a critical part of our success story. Again, historically speaking, being closed and trying to be self-sufficient in the early decades of, of Irish independence didn't work for us at all. It was when we realised we needed to open up to the world and, in fact, critically joined the EU that the success began to flow by being that open, stable, uh, you know, socially cohesive country and well-educated from the 60s on. People wanted to come here, wanted to work here, wanted to invest here. And that, of course, has been critical in our success. And I suppose even when you come to issues of housing, you know, it's not that long ago that many people would have had no central heating in their <laughs> yeah, house. Yeah. Now, we talk about will people be able to afford their central heating, but we almost take it as a given that nearly every house or apartment has that. There isn't, some of us remember, neighbours and they had outside toilets. Absolutely. No, indeed, I mean, in the 1950s, most houses outside toilets didn't have any uh, uh, water inside and it most uh, only began to get electricity in the 50s and the 60s. It was before most houses had uh, had uh, piped water in them. Uh, central heating was the only thing began in the 70s. You know, houses that were built in the 70s began to put it in. So, you know, it was, it was the 80s into the 90s before most houses had that. So a lot of those improvements have been have been in recent years. In fact, now uh, Ireland is held out as having uh, one of the highest and most energy efficient building standards for the houses we're building today. I mean, OK, you can argue, of course, there's not enough of them. But we're one of only a dozen countries that the World Bank has said we've got uh, the highest A-level uh, building standards that are going to protect us into the future in the world, of course of climate change that's coming. What other things do you think stand out as highlights for change in the 100 years of independence having our own state? 
Well, I mean, obviously, it's been a radical time of social change as well. You know, I think as the country opened up from joining the EU in the 1970s, you know, even in the 80s, we know two thirds of the population at the time opposing liberalisation in divorce or abortion. Uh, Even contraception was only for married people from the 1970s before it was opened up around the 1990s. Exactly. No, exactly. I mean, again, the polls in the 1980s, you know, two thirds of people uh, were against decriminalising homosexuality, never mind introducing, uh, you know, and legalising same-sex marriage. So, you know, that huge transformation happened uh, from really, I suppose, the 90s into the the noughties and, and that obviously has been transformative. I mean, now there's a thing called the Human Freedom Index and rates us fifth in the world in terms of the social freedoms, the political freedoms, the personal freedoms uh, that we enjoy here. And, you know, we should be proud about that. We should, be, we should celebrate that fact. And you mentioned happiness. How is happiness yeah. measured? Because, you know, sometimes material wealth does not necessarily translate into happiness. No, it's good. There are lots of ways of measuring it. And in all of them, Ireland does really, really well. We tend to underestimate how happy other people are because we do look at the news and, of course, of course, not everyone has good experiences. But when you ask people about how satisfied they are with their lives, uh, 95% of Irish people say they are fairly or very satisfied with their life. When you ask about happiness, the most recent EU survey, for example, this year, 97% of Irish people said they were happy living in this country. Only the Danes and the Swedes uh, got above 97%. 97%. So we do, we recognise, of course, we'd all like to retire early and, you know, uh, have loads of, uh, a lot more income and a bigger house. Of course we would. But in the scheme of things, Irish people actually recognise that we have a good place, a good quality, health, a healthy place to live. We have a good quality of life. And you look to other countries surrounding us and actually, objectively, we're doing better. And in the main, we do recognise that. And that's why I wanted to start on this positive note on today, the 100th birthday of the creation of the state, something that we should be proud of, that we should celebrate. And going back to the point we said earlier, it really is a shame that we haven't turned this into a public holiday or celebration. Do you just actually, do you have a theory as do you think why that didn't happen? (laughs) Well, I think, you know, sometimes we we are too modest for our own good, actually, I think, Matt. You know, our politicians should be proud of that fact. They should be prepared to stand up there and say... But could it be something to do with the circumstances, the fact that the declaration or the the establishment of the state came at a time of civil war? But surely we should be celebrating that those divisions were ended. I I think historians would point back to the circumstances of the state coming into creation. There wasn't a big hurrah about it 100 years ago either, because, uh, as you say, civil war is in full flow. There was division over the treaty. Uh, It kind of slipped into... To existence one year after the Anglo-Irish Treaty had been signed on the 6th of December 1921. But as you say, that's the hand that history dealt us. But haven't we done very well with it since? Mark Henry, author of In Fact, An Optimist Guide to Ireland at 100. Thank you for joining us. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today,